Hi, it's Connor Svensson here, founder of Web3 Labs and your host of the Web3 Innovators podcast, where you'll hear from those people changing the face of finance and other industries with Web3 and blockchain technologies. My guest today is Erwin Mismack, COO at Backed Finance. Backed is a Swiss startup bridging real-world assets on-chain. They issue on-chain tokens that track the value of real-world assets such as stocks or ETFs. Prior to joining Bact, Erwin worked in BD at MakerDAO and worked as a broker and a trader at a number of financial institutions. Erwin, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Connor. It's great to be here. So crypto, blockchain or Web3, what pulled you in? Definitely coin, you know, it's, it was for me like the ability to transfer value without intermediaries at any time of the day of the night between, you know, any places in the world. I thought that was like really groundbreaking and it had a really strong influence on me. So it was really like, yeah, coin that, that pulled me in the space. Now I got to say that I have to admit that, yeah, my, my first interaction with it was very early on. Like I think it was 2010, probably mid late 2010. And my flatmate at the time was living in London. And my flatmate at the time was who worked at a bank as well and told me, oh, I've got like, I'm hearing these guys like mining coins on the internet. And I just basically told him to bugger off. And I did that a few times before like really taking the time to actually dive into what Bitcoin is and really, yeah, adopt, like just adopting it. And so at that time, and I guess before that in your career as well, you'd been involved working at a number of different financial institutions, especially in the brokerage sales and trading aspects of things. So you were very familiar with traditional financial products and how the financial markets worked. How did you kind of transition from that into the kind of you know, the Web3, you know, blockchain, crypto side of things there. You know, obviously, you'd heard about Bitcoin and your friend was you know, going on about it. But it's you know, to, to end up where you are now, there's obviously a sequence of events that unfolded to make that happen. For sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. But yeah, it was more like on a personal side, like first, really like, I guess, as people say, falling into the crypto rabbit hole and whereby you spend, you know, more time thinking about crypto than, you know, spending time doing your or thinking about work or doing your job. And yeah, it just happened. I mean, for me personally, I'd been in traditional finance for almost 10 years. And I think it was just the right moment to change. Also, crypto is decentralized by nature. And so you've got this, this ability to work from wherever in the world. So in my previous career, I was stuck at a desk from 7 a.m. to, you know, 7 in the evening in London. And now I can work from anywhere. So I live in the south of France, but I could go on and, you know, I love surfing. So I don't know, stay in Bali for a bit of time and just work from there. And that's that's amazing as well. Yes, it's awesome that level of the freedom that it gives you and it could certainly go off on one to talk about surfing in different destinations and yeah, the opportunities there. <laughs> sure. We can do that. You <laughs> yeah. But like th thinking about back specifically as well, I think what was kind of blew me away was when I learned about you know, how the company had basically taken one of the world's most 
widely traded or held FC iShares core S&P 500 ETF and created this ERC 20 token version of it on Ethereum. I mean, to get from the concept of you know, having this to actually making that happen, that must have been, you know, really challenging for the organization to do that. How did you make it happen? Yeah, for sure. It was really challenging. I mean, I joined the company back at its very early stage, but I didn't found it. It was founded by three gentlemen who worked together at a different crypto startup prior to that. And, and they basically, you know, they were, it was the realization that stable coins, like, especially like Circle, were the first, you know, popular compliant real world asset on chain. And just trying to emulate that and find the next iteration. So I think you, you pointed out in one of your tweets that, you know, that there was no reason why we can use the circle model to tokenize other types of, of assets like securities. And that's exactly what BACT has done. What's been really challenging is that obviously like currencies are much, you know, the regulation around currencies is is lesser than what it, what what it is for for securities and we've had to spend a lot of time and effort into first finding the right jurisdiction to incorporate the company for this to to be done in a compliant way and yeah a lot of again effort time with our lawyers in structuring a product that's that's safe for investors so yeah it's been a long journey the founders, you know, started on, on started this journey in, in, in late 2020. So yeah, we've been going about like on it for over two years now. And and we released our first product earlier this year. It's been long, it's been it's been painful, but we're so happy to be to be here now. And and it feels like you know a lot of people, other companies, etc., in, in crypto are also like realizing the power of, of bringing those off-chain assets on chain. So we're in, we're in, you know, I think it's a great time to, uh, to be in this space. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I really had a bit of a light bulb moment when I saw the announcements of what the team there had done, because even though you know, we're aware of USDC and how the other stable coins work, but you know, it's often these things that are conceptually quite simple and obvious in hindsight, but actually they're the big kind of innovations there. And it really helps you see how this can really bring so much of our existing financial ecosystem on chain potentially. And this, whilst there are some, you know, specific details around the plumbing behind the scenes is in terms of you know ultimately the, the, the etfs there's custodians in the mix there's like various different you, know, you have organizations like iShares who are you know, custody of the underlying securities and so on but it's kind of these ways where you rather than trying to say we can you know we create a completely separate financial ecosystem it's that bridging it's taking what we have but giving people a new way of investing in those assets and you know it, it does make the industry evolve but it also doesn't completely you know make it irrelevant so to speak what's there and i think that's when you have these opportunities to go hand in hand that's where these innovations are very powerful because they help it move forward but it can move forward in a way that still builds on top of regulatory frameworks and these sorts of things there Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, as you said, like, we're mostly focused on giving users that currently don't have access to Western securities 
or to good financial tools. So you can think of, you know, yes, crypto natives, but also populations in, in emerging markets, you know, South, South America, Far East Asia, where for variety of reasons, whether it's, it's, you know, the plumbing or the regulation, those populations don't have access to the stock market like we do. They cannot invest and have a, a proper or sound management of their finances. And it's, yeah, it's, I'm really excited to, to be able to help those population access this market. And to be honest, it's also like, it's, it goes both ways. Like it's helping those populations, but it also creates a new market or enlarge the current market of those professional financial firms. And with those being able to you know, increase the reach of these products, is that something that BACT wanted to do when it set out? Or is it something that's more been a, it's kind of, the demand has kind of appeared as the products became available and it's really opened your eyes to the demand that was out there in these other regions? Yeah, I mean, a bit of both. From the outset, that was, you know, that was the intention. But the market is very different now to the way it was like uh, even a year ago so or two years ago when it was raging bull now a lot of uh, of the interest is focused on fixed income instruments if you think about crypto and specifically and DeFi natives you have this dynamic where you know in in DeFi crypto yields are around one to two percent on the major DeFi lending protocols but assets like U.S. Treasury bills yield around four to five percent, and that creates, you know, a really interesting dynamic and arbitrage potential between those two markets. So that means that currently, much of our interest that we're seeing is really focused on fixed income instruments. Yeah, whereby when we initially, you know, when the project was initially started. The founders had in mind maybe more stock market or equity products, per se. And, you know, who knows what tomorrow will hold. You know, I imagine that this fixed income narrative is going to, is here to stay for a little while, but we built a very robust and scalable product and we can tokenize any listed security. So tomorrow, why not a gold ETF? That's perfectly, uh, that's very easy for us. Yeah, I think hear, hearing what you're saying about fixed income instruments as well, that's definitely a, a big one because it, it is funny when you contrast where we were during the you know, pre-FTX terror and you know these, these things that kind of tried, well, that, that tarnished some of this industry's you know, view among people. We you had this kind of this backdrop where people could get really good yields on different so the stable coins and so on and this was when there was like a you know that pretty stagnant environment that we'd had for many years from an interest rate perspective and now like some of these houses of cards have collapsed i mean the pepper coins are coming back yeah yeah exactly it's yeah <laughs> another crazy week 
I, I think that there's definitely like this funny contrast now because all of a sudden people are sitting on like their USDC reserves and they're thinking, oh, well, where can I get a good yield from this? Like T-bills, as you say, like people can get 4 to 5% yields from them if they could access them. But of course, most people can't because, they, you know, those, unless it's via some sort of synthetic you know, sort of product there. And so, you know, having some of these on-chain assets that can really open up access to some of these yields because I think fixed income especially like so many of these fixed income instruments that are out there are inaccessible to everyday people. It's more that you have to be dealing at, you know, I guess a certain scale to have that. The equity markets are somewhat more democratized in that respect, but it'd be really cool to see some, you know, more of these fixed in income products coming on chain, so to speak, so that you know, people who've got smaller holdings maybe in USDC could then swap it to get a, a nice yield on something else. For sure. That's definitely really exciting. And it's really around the corner. And I'm also like really keen to eager to see, you know, what DeFi protocols uh, or people in, in DeFi build around our assets. We're starting to see a few use cases, you know, or a few protocols like Ribbon, Angle, building top of backed assets and offering some use cases like for Ribbon, a vault, which offers an exposure to Ethereum with, with your capital being, being still guaranteed, angle, the ability to borrow against your BIB01, which is the short-term US Treasury bill ETF that we tokenized, and so much more of these. So I think, you know, in the future, and that's the promise of DeFi, that people like average people will be able to perform transactions and that are only accessible to to investment banks or hedge funds highly highly specialized and entities but tomorrow you know the average joe could just deposit in, into one vault and yeah do exactly the same thing and are there some new products that are, as you said, you alluded to there, there's some stuff that's just coming around the corner. Is it far off or is this stuff that we can't confirm just yet how long people will need to wait to be able to access them? I, yeah, can't confirm, but I think it's a matter of weeks to months. So it's very nearby for sure. But yeah, just the simple like ability to... If you hold, I don't know, the S an S&P ETF in your Robinhood app today, it just sits there and, and the number goes up and down and that's basically it. Tomorrow, you could, you know, you could potentially lend your tokenized S&P 500 and earn an extra yield on it. And again, like participate in various strategies with it, leverage yourself against those assets. Another thing that, you know, professional investment banks do on, on, on a regular basis, but that's just not available to, to the average user. Yeah, and no doubt it's, there's all these crazy things that people will be coming up with, like with what we're seeing with this happened with all of the staking yields on Ethereum and people coming up with the, you know, crazy ways to actually get additional yield there. And as you say, it's kind of inevitable with the, the backed uh, tokens as well. That And so... Thinking more broadly, right, you know, we're, we're obviously, you know, 
believe heavily in terms of what's capable with the space. And I think it illustrates it really well when you've talked, spoken about these two different perspectives. Partly you have those people in living in parts of the world where they might have less stable monetary regimes and products such as stable coins and these on-chain sort of, you know, ETFs and other types of assets that gives them access to better products than they would potentially be able to hold. And then also people in the, I guess, the developed world, they have these opportunities to actually go down, you know, the DeFi degen route of finding ways to layer this stuff up and so on and, you know, take advantage of, of what's happening there. But there's still this you know, gap between like the forefront of Web3 and, you know, DeFi, where it's people who are driven there because, you know, by necessity, in the case of those who are, you know, have a less stable monetary regime or, you know, whatever other reasons, and those who are kind of, they just enjoy it, you know, it's like, like the reasons we got pulled in, say, but you know, what, what do you think needs to happen to help bring mainstream people onto this? Because I think that, you know, we're still in this, you know, we're still so early as, you know, it's the mantra that everyone says, but what do you feel are the key things that are missing there to help bring more people in? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's a bit of a contrarian view. And I also have to say that myself, personally, I hold like mostly somewhat like libertarian views as well. But for I, I I believe that for crypto to evolve and become mass market, as you said, it just cannot escape the rules that govern the off-chain world or real world, if you know you prefer, and that somehow we need to find a way for the rules that that govern the off-chain world to also you know for them to be applied and in crypto and Web three. So I'm thinking about regulations, obviously, KYC, you know, licenses, if you're in, in, in a licensed business. But yeah, I think that's really needed. Crypto, is, it's still a very early stage. Like, even though everyone feels like they're already too late to the party, but it's, you know, the more you're in this, like, the longer you've been in this, the more you realize that actually, you know, it's still super early and so much remains to be built. So yeah, definitely like regulations, it doesn't need to be like necessarily external regulations or regulations that, that governments impose, but I think we can definitely start by creating our own regulations and living by standards that we believe in. And so if we fast forward, say 10 years down the line, do you think we'll be at a point where these sorts of tokenized assets have yeah, they've manifest, they've manifested themselves in everyday lives, and you can say, I, don't know, I invest in this security, but hey, I want to put it, I want to send it to my buddy, or I want to put it into a wallet that's tied with my phone. Do you think we'll be there, or are there any other views you have around where we'll be then? No, very much so. I mean, I think even earlier than ten years from now, I think that will be the case. I just, yeah, I just can't wait for us to get to the point where blockchain basically powers those transactions in the background without users even knowing about it, without users realizing how that, you know, data is stored or shared, what protocols are being used. Uh, this will all be like in the background. And I imagine people will just access it via nice looking UX 
like we do in, in, in Web2 currently. And yeah, if you take the analogy, like no one cares in Web2 how data flows from one computer to the other, which protocols is being used there. You just care about, you know, is it achieving what, what I'm trying to, to do? Am I able to send an email to my friend or access this website or go onto my bank account? I think right now in crypto, even like using the most widely used apps or I don't know if you can think of your MetaMask, it still is like very niche and difficult to, I would say, on board someone like if I think of my mother, yeah, I'm still like very much struggling to teach my mother how to use these apps. And in the future, which I hope will be closer than 10 years from now, she will be able to like, you know, basically have applications that are powered by blockchain without even her needing to adapt to that technology to, to make that leap into, you know, knowing how to use these, these tools. Certainly still a very scary thing, even when you're transferring crypto from one wallet to another now, just making sure that you've done everything right. And that's even when you've you know, been in this space for a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like just explaining the concept of gas, like it's like that stuff. And yeah, make sure that the address is correct. And there's a lot to be done to, to make this technology accessible to a wider audience. Crypto is still a very niche and very small market. I think a lot of people realize that. And I think the most successful companies in crypto, you know, they're not there to try and, you know, take market share from other crypto competitors. I think the real game is about attracting users that are not already on chain. And that's where you can create a lot of value. And you know, for backs, if you think about our users in emerging economies, you know, they might not care or they might be a bit dubious about crypto and tokens in general, but for them, if they can see that, you know, this helps their financial future and allows them to access, again, products that they can't currently they'll go on to like crypto rails they'll make that 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 leap to their benefit yeah and so certainly there, there can be elements as well of this sort of generational shift as well in terms of you know you look at even smartphone usage with diff across different generations who are alive now and just how much it differs from people who are sort of you know say retired versus like the young kids and it's just how they use and interact with these technologies and also the level of literacy they come with is so different so yeah absolutely i know we we kind of touched on this earlier but what are you guys focusing on now and how can people find out more about the work of bact so i mean right now we're i think we're at this stage where our platform where users or clients can met redeem tokens is a lot more stable is a lot more usable and so we're opening up to a wider audience of still like professional investors but previously it was like just a small handful of clients that accessed the platform so yeah it's on one side like opening up our platform onboarding more customers to the platform so that they can mint 
redeem those, those assets. We're focused on bringing more assets. So very soon we'll have three more fixed income products. And again, the idea here is to be able to offer our clients a, a panel of tools for them to manage their finances. And so, yes, the short-term treasury bill product is very is great, but some users would like to pair it with uh, more high-yield products. As we said before, equity can also come in the mix. And essentially, on-chain, you'll be able to like have portfolio management like is being done in, in traditional finance. And finally, I'd say we're you know, focused on, on like helping and increasing our general awareness so that more DeFi protocols build on top of, of our back tokens, bring new use cases and ways to, to leverage or utilize those tokens. And ultimately, yeah, increase the utility of those, of those tokens in, in, in DeFi. That's, you know, one, a core focus of ours is you know, the more utility can be built around back tokens, then the more demand there should be for those, for those tokens. And we can be, you can check us out on, on Twitter. It's at BackedFi or our website, back.fi. We'll include the links in the show notes to, to those as well. Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today and yeah, I'm really, really excited to see more assets come online with BAC. It's, it's a fascinating project and it really is one of those ones that I believe helps conceptualize where you know, we could be headed with DeFi and Web3 technology. And yes, it's, it, I encourage everyone listening to, to check it out. Awesome. Thanks so much for, uh, for your time and for the opportunity to come on, on, on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a blast and maybe we can, you know, reschedule for a few months further down the line and update you on and your community, your listeners on, on the latest developments and what we just talked about, especially on the DeFi side of things. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'm sure people will have thought of things that neither of us could ever have dreamed of as well by that point. Yeah, I hope so as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Aaron. Thanks for listening to this episode. I have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it. Leave a five-star rating and review it. Even if it's just a few words, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Until next time.